This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you have sex specifically with men, you need to listen to this episode. But be warned, our guest may not always tell you what you want to hear. Just like I think you would understand why every man wants to have this big butt or big breasts. Why wouldn't someone want to experience it? So my invitation to all these women is like, how could you turn this into something together as opposed to he's doing this against me it's comparison and it's like how do you come into harmony with this how can we play with this how can we make the how can you accept him have compassion or understanding that that is also attractive and desirable but trust and believe there is also plenty of parts that you are going to be blasting in hopes that your partner or your ex catches wind of. What would you have defined good sex as 10 years ago or so, and how do you define it today? 10 years ago would have been just like fast and hard in a number of different positions for like 15 to 20 minutes and giving my partner an orgasm and then me ejaculating. That was like, yeah, I wanted to perform like a porn star. I wanted to look exactly how they looked. And now I want to be closer to my partner. I want to have so much deeper intimacy. I want to experience full body pleasure. I want to explore non-penetrative sex sometimes. Before, it's like, how can I appear to be good at sex versus what do I want and what does my partner want? Male sex coach Alex Grandy is back on Lovers and Friends for a third time. Now, usually he is the expert at the end of the episode, but we decided to turn the cameras on, have a conversation, see what happened when I gave this man the full floor. And let me tell you, he can dance. Get comfortable. This is a girthy episode of Lovers and Friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I say Lovers and Friends. I'm gonna hold you down, down to the end, I say. Hi there, lovers and friends. Welcome to the podcast called The Same Damn Thing. And you can call me the person whose voice you're listening to or face you're looking at, the host of the show. My name is Sham Boudrin. But enough about me. Let's talk about our guest. Alex Grandy is a certified men's sex coach who specializes in performance anxiety and erectile dysfunction. He's here to talk about the importance of asking for what you want in the bedroom and beyond, Plus the struggle, especially for men, of figuring out what exactly it is that they truly want. Now, some of you have mentioned that you really enjoy the longer interviews with one guest, and that is exactly what this is. And because of that, I actually wanted to move the part of the conversation that stood out the most to me right to the top and shirt to a fucking... And because of that, I wanted to move the part of the conversation that stood out the most to me right to the top so it does not get missed. Here it is. My dream has always been to find a partner that knows so deeply within themselves what they have to offer that they never compare themselves to someone else, you know? And I think it's, it's that foundation of like self-love or just like confidence in who you are as a person and what you have to offer. I don't care what you're watching during porn. I'm me. Like you're never going to find another me. And if you disrespect me, like I'm gone. 
if your partner, you saw their porn search history and it was only black guys with huge penises who were super tall and super buff, would that get to you at all? I would be like, I get it. <laughs> of course, I would. If I was a woman, I would understand why they want to experience that. Just like I think you would understand why every man wants to have this big butt or big breasts or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay. That's like the most extreme level of sexual attraction or whatever we're supposed to believe is the most desirable. Mm. Why wouldn't someone want to experience it? This is what I'm seeing on porn. This is what everyone says they want is a giant 10 inch penis. I want to try it. I get it. Try it. It's going to hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe not. And then you love it. And then you realize that's what you want. And that's okay. So my invitation to all these women was like, how could you turn this into something together as opposed to he's doing this against me? It's comparison. And it's like, how do you come into harmony with this? How can we play with this? How can we make the, how can you accept him? How can you have compassion or understanding that that is also attractive and desirable and that that's okay to think about and that it doesn't mean he's going to leave you for that, but that that's something that also turns him on Mm -hmm. and that it's not so black and white in the sense of it must mean he's not attracted to me. It's like, no, he's attracted to you and... The amount of times since I recorded this conversation that I repeated that first line that Alex said warrants me playing it again one more time for you. My dream has always been to find a partner that knows so deeply within themselves what they have to offer that they never compare themselves to someone else. I need you to do me a favor and ground yourself in that truth right now. Nobody is better than you. No one compares to you. Nobody is fucking with you. Nobody can shit on you. Shan, this person's prettier. That person's smarter. This person can hold their breath underwater for longer than I can. Who gives a fuck? That doesn't mean that their lived experience, their total lived experience, or their ability to enhance the lived experience of others is greater than yours. There is zero way that we can compare on that metric. And if we can't compare, that means that there's no competition. You win. You win, you are number one. And that is not a truth that you can chase because if you're chasing it, you've already lost the plot. It exists right now within you just as you are without the Botox appointment next week, without the graduate degree that you've yet to get. None of that really matters. And if you can sit in that truth, then you can start to really lean into what else is true for you. And you guys know of my sushi and pizza analogy, and I'm gonna break it out again for this exact moment. What do you want for dinner tonight, sushi or pizza? Now, just say you pick pizza. Do you think that sushi is over there pitying itself, trying to figure out how to stuff its crust or how to add marinara sauce or cheese or wings to its menu in order to entice you to go over there? Fuck no. Sushi knows that it is delicious, that it is delectable, it is unique, and it's its own thing. And whoever wants sushi will enjoy sushi. And if they don't, that's on them. And not in a negative way. Sushi's not shitting on pizza. Heck, sushi might even enjoy pizza from time to time, but it knows what it is. It knows what its strengths are. And it leans into that. And it allows people to love it for its authentic truth. Be like sushi. 
And the other important thing to acknowledge about sushi is that it's also aware of its market value. Sushi might inherently know that it smells great or it might feel that it smells great, but it knows that societally that's not its selling point. So they don't go around saying, come here for the aromatic experience. They know that it is sensual. They know that it is delicious. They know that it is exotic and it is unique. You're not going to have another flavor like this. And extra little bonus kick, it might even end up being healthy for you, depending on where you go and how much rice you put into your sushi. Because let's be honest, they put a lot of sugar in the sushi rice. So if you're doing that, you're not doing yourself any favor. You might as well get pizza. That to be said. That to be said, when we can accept the truth that we are the number one versions of us and that people who want that experience will not get it anywhere else. So we don't have to fear that they're going to stray. And also if they do stray and find a better experience elsewhere, we don't have to fear that no one else will ever find us lovable again, because guess what? We're somebody and we love ourselves. So we know for damn sure that it's possible. And once we have that as our grounding principle, we can then approach self-love and self-development through a lens of playfulness versus pitifulness. And then we can start asking ourselves interesting questions like based on the market around me, what are some of the strengths that I have that put me at the top tier? Let me really lean into those. And I'm going to keep it all the way real with you guys. As somebody who is approaching their midlife and who has had two kids, my sex appeal is no longer the hot commodity that it used to be. It's no longer what I choose to lead with. That's okay. I have plenty of other cards in my deck and those cards are sharp. They are shiny and you cannot find them anywhere else. I am so smart. I'm incredibly witty, but above all else, I have the unique gift that I have sharpened and honed for decades and decades to speak to people based on their highest potential. When you are interacting with me, you are already in the presence of a dream come true because I'm going to look at you like you are the best version of yourself. I'm going to talk to you like you already deserve all the love and praise and respect that you are working so hard for. That is my special item on my sushi menu. What's on yours? <sighs> All this talk of food has my mouth dry, so let me hydrate right now. And speaking of which, let me tell you about our first of four sponsors on this episode, which is Liquid IV. Now, if you think staying properly hydrated is only important for babies and hardcore athletes, you are wrong. Now, have you ever been working on something that you really care about, but for some reason you just can't connect to it? Do you have the best creams on the planet, but still struggle with dry skin and sometimes lips? We all know that we get muscle cramps when we are dehydrated, but there's a whole other list of side effects like mood swings and constipation. And if you're the kind of person who struggles to stay hydrated, let's just skip past the whole water conversation because if that could work for you, you'd be working it. And that is why I am so thrilled to tell you about Liquid IV, America's number one powered hydration brand. It is a secret weapon that I've incorporated into my daily routine. I now fill this bottle up three times a day and used to struggle to get half of this bad boy down. Personally, I love the Concord grape flavor, but truly it's not just about the flavors. One stick in 16 ounces of water equips you with essential vitamins like B3, B5, B6, B12, vitamin C, and fuels you with up to three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks. And guess what? It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. So are you ready to redefine your hydration routine? Make the switch to real flavor, real people, and real hydration with Liquid IV. Get your Liquid IV at Costco or save a fantastic 20% off when you shop at liquidiv.com and use the promo code LOVERS at checkout. That is right, a solid 20% off your path to better hydration today, but only at liquidiv.com with promo code LOVERS. Cheers to that. And now 
Cheers to our chat with Alex. This is my first time having you as a primary guest. I know I've talked and you know heard your story before, but I would love to start at the beginning and kind of run through the how you got to this space. Yeah, sure. So to start from the beginning, uh, I come from a very sex positive family where my parents were very open that they had sex um, at a very young age for me. So my father in particular would be like, yeah, I'm going to go have sex with your mother. It's like, whoa. But um, at the same time, while that was like maybe a boundary crossed too early, it was also kind of hammering home this idea that like sex is important and, it, and it's a really beautiful part of a relationship and um, that a lot of the parents maybe in my community weren't having sex. Um, and this was something that my parents were really connecting through and they were very like lovey-dovey and kissy. So it was great to see that. Um, but there's, just, a, there's a middle ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so very early on, I felt really comfortable talking about sex. I was like, oh, this is normal. Like my family talks about it. So I was kind of like educating the kids in class on like what a blowjob was and like telling the girls. And um, so, yeah, that was just like very normal and comfortable for me. Fast forward to then me starting to be sexually active. I had all this comfort around talking about it. But when it came to the act, I was really nervous. I was in a performance mindset, I was very uncomfortable. And that persisted from like me losing my virginity into through, you know, my late 20s, where there was always this sense of, you know, am I big enough? Am I good enough? Am I going to make her happy? Like, what is she going to tell her friends about me kind of feelings instead of just enjoying it and the excitement of sex and the beauty of it? So I was coping with alcohol, mostly marijuana. Like I had to smoke before sex. And yeah, this was my experience. And it's kind of sad to reflect on even when I was like deeply in love with partners, I still needed it. Like I felt like I had to. And uh, that disconnection was always there where I needed to like go away uh, from my body or my mind and, and have a substance present. And then uh, after a whole like kind of self-help journey that led me to then learning more about sexuality, I, I learned that there was something called a sex coach. My friend was working with one and I was like, what is that? Like, I need to know what that is all about. So I um, did some research, just like looked up every sex coach I could find, called them all, worked with all of them. And I was someone who, even though I didn't have in my opinion and in my experience, a good sexual experience, I had a lot of sex. So I had a lot of experience, a lot of, you know, I basically like tried everything. Um, so I thought I knew a lot. And as soon as I worked with a sex coach, it felt like I literally knew nothing. And what I was learning also felt simple and so tangible. And I was seeing the same practices across all of my teachers. Can you give me an apples to oranges? Like something that you thought you were doing one way and then you had a perspective shift on how to approach it from a healthier way for you. Yeah, just the idea, the simple idea of like I was in such a performance mindset and really not in my body during sex. I was just in my bed, in my head. Am I doing it right? And like, am I going long enough? How can I make sure I am, you know, whether I'm distracting myself or doing whatever I can to perform 
versus like completely letting go of that and being present in my body and feeling sensations everywhere. Uh, it's really like night and day in terms of my experience. What felt like what I thought was good sex before was like a 10% experience of, of what I now experience. So I, that was like my aha moment of like, oh my God, something that was once my biggest insecurity is now my biggest strength. And I felt like I have to share this with every man that is experiencing any sort of anything compared to what I was. What was the insecurity that you turned into a strength? Just that I'm bad at sex, that I'm not good enough in, in bed and no woman's going to want to be with me. So that underneath everything, like bringing that fear into sex and, and all of my interactions with women was just doubt and anxiety. So flipping that and being like, I can't wait to share my sex life with you and, and my gifts completely changed everything. That doubt and insecurity, did it translate to one, not satisfying sex, two, not satisfying your partner, three, erectile dysfunction, three, premature ejaculation, or four, kind of all of the above? Yeah, all of the above in different kind of pockets where I think at some moments, some of my partners would be like, you weren't bad at all. And other, t but it's like my experience wasn't good. I wasn't present. I didn't think I was good, so I didn't enjoy it. Uh, other times it would be erectile dysfunction. Other times maybe premature ejaculation. And then even for a stretch, it was delayed ejaculation where I couldn't ejaculate with, you know, a few partners in particular, but one that I'm thinking of where I never could. And yeah, all of those things come up. So what would constitute being bad in bed for you at that time? That's a good question. Um, just not being able to pleasure my partner, not being able to give her what she needs uh, to have an orgasm. I was definitely performance minded in that sense. Like my partner needed to have a climax for it to be good. Because I'm thinking a lot of the reasons why people take on a performance anxiety because they think if left unchecked, their body will disappoint them. So if I'm not focused, Premature ejaculation is an easy one. If I'm not focused on delaying ejaculation, I'm going to ejaculate very soon. Why is that the wrong approach? If you're in your head, you're only going to perpetuate that anxiety. So you need to actually do the exact opposite. Get back into your body. Immediately connect to your breath. Um, try to let go of any of those thoughts and just experience what those sensations are in your body. What if letting go just means you're going to come right away? Well, then that's a problem. But that means you need to start that process earlier. Like that anxiety could come on in the restaurant before you even get the check and you realize, oh, I'm going to go home with my partner or a new partner. And to start to calm those nerves, calm that anxiety, whether that means taking breaths, whether that means sharing with your partner that, hey, I want to take things a little bit slow tonight. Um because I'm feeling a little bit anxious, whatever that may be. When you, this is something that I always tell men that I work with. If you feel extreme anxiety and fear before sex, don't have sex. It's not going to be good. You know, it, it, that's not the way you want to start a sexual interaction. You want to be relaxed. You want to be 
excited. You want to be in a state where you can feel pleasure. And you want to feel that naturally because yeah. you wanted to feel that and you were using substances to get you to that space. Imagine this where I'm with a partner that I love, we're about to have sex and now I feel I need to have it in order to perform. Like we're getting intimate and I'm like, hold on one second. I'm going to go like smoke and take a hit and I'll be right back. So awful. Like I, I try to flip that and think if my partner did that and she came back, I would be like, no, thank you. You know, like, and I thank you to my partners who put up with that forever, how long. But that's so unacceptable to just like not be there unless that was really consented and like, hey, tonight we're going to get high and, and do this. But yeah, it's so awful. And I feel really like sad about that when I think about that. But um, yeah, now it's different. It's interesting. I think a lot of people think that they use these things to get more into themselves. Like I am drinking so that I can be more me. I am smoking so that I can be a better version of me. Um, so I think that they look at it in the inverse, that this is something that you're doing to get more connected, not to disassociate. Yeah, and I would say that like that's not you. Um, it can like help some of the anxiety, but it, it's more of like a disassociation. It's not like getting you more into your body, I don't think. Um, but this was a topic that I actually wanted to talk about in a video maybe soon is just like, is sex better high? You know, I thought that for so long because it does give you like heightened sensitivity or sensations. But for me, when I think about that, I'm not present with my partner. I'm like in space. Yeah. You know, like I'm gone. And uh, so, yeah, that that's not how I want to relate anymore. I want to be like fully present with my partner and... I even find, because I don't drink and I don't smoke anymore, um, if if my partner is having drinks, like I don't even want to engage. Well, what we're really here to talk about is asking for what you want in the bedroom, which I do feel like alcohol gives people, I mean, it's liquid courage for a reason. Yeah. So it gives you the power of tongue to say the thing that you're like, I could never say this, but all along you could have. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to ask, because I didn't ask this during our last conversation, a little bit about your story and relationship to porn and how this mm -hmm. tied into you becoming a male sex coach too. Yeah. I mean, I, I never felt like I was someone who was like so addicted to porn that it was a big problem in my life, but it was very consistent. And I just, from maybe age 13 into my late 20s, like masturbating every day, every other day was very normal for me. And I think what I didn't realize was the impact it had on my performance anxiety and this idea that sex was a performance. Um, watching porn for me, comparing myself to porn stars, that made me feel inadequate. I was like, if these are the guys who are like the best in the best at sex, I don't look like that. Like I don't have that body. I don't have that penis. How could I possibly be what women, women want? Um, so that certainly played like a huge part in my performance anxiety and this feeling that I wasn't going to be good enough in bed. What do you do to fill that gap? Yeah. Well, to realize that that's not like the comparison, uh, to have that I need to accept my body for what it is and what it can do. Um, and as soon as I started like supporting my penis and my body and, um, 
really appreciating it for what it can give to me and the pleasure it can give to my partners, that's when my performance anxiety was completely gone. That's incredible. And that's not a... No, 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 no. And part of that process is like acknowledging it and then having kind of a system to then connect to your body in a new way, um, start to let go of this porn habit and experience new things in new ways. What would you have defined good sex as 10 years ago or so? And how do you define it today? 10 years ago would have been just like fast and hard in a number of different positions for like 15 to 20 minutes and giving my partner an orgasm and then me ejaculating. That was like, yeah, I wanted to perform like a porn star. I wanted to look exactly how they looked. Um, And now it's so much different in the way that I want to connect. I want to be closer to my partner. I want to have so much deeper intimacy. I want to, I don't want to ejaculate all the time. Um, I want to experience full body pleasure. I want to explore non-penetrative sex sometimes. Um, I want to be so much more connected to my breath and um, my body during sex as opposed to just trying to like look a certain way. Um, so for me, it's, it's completely different. It's totally night and day. Um, where before it's like, how can I appear to be good at sex versus what do I want and what does my partner want? And, and, you know, now when I'm relating with women and, you know, I'm asking them what they want, I'm asking for what I want. They're like, no one's ever asked me that. Now I'm actually getting what I want, not what they think I want, which we talked about before. You can watch, you know, heterosexual porn and you're just like, I don't want this. You know, the woman's thinking that the man's like, oh, that's what I'm going to do, you know, and it's just completely mismatched. Yeah, that should be a good aha for a lot of men. That stat that you talked about, which I'd love for you to expand on that, that you uh, were discussing how you saw a stat that said that women mostly watch uh, lesbian porn. Continue, please. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Help me. The big stat on what women search for on porn sites is heterosexual women were disproportionately searching for lesbian porn. And that was because of the way women treated other women. They were treating them with respect. They were treating them with love. And women were realizing like they could look at that and see how they wanted to be pleasured. Whereas in most normal straight porn, it's men dominating women and having sex with them in a way that is like completely aggressive and you know there's like 90 percent of mainstream porn is like physically aggressive to women and there's like another stat that's extremely high that it's like verbally abusive towards women so to choose that or a woman who's like really sensual and lovingly touching them it's obvious as to why they would search and choose the lesbian porn it's interesting though because when men think about how they want to perform in the bedroom they try to mimic porn that is designed for their pleasure. Yeah, that's what they think. And, and you know, I sympathize with myself and men who, w- why wouldn't we think that? If that's what we're shown, we're like, oh, these women are, you know, they appear to be in pleasure. Sometimes, no, they appear to be in pain. But something is telling us, like, this is what they want. 
you know, this is kind of what it's showing us. So I understand why as men, when we grow up watching this, we think this is what we're supposed to do. Unfortunately, it's not really the case. It's not what women want. I'm interested to know that now that you have a different way of experiencing pleasure, if you watch mainstream straight porn, kind of in the same way that a woman would, like you're seeing how men are treated and the men's bodies there and being like, I wouldn't want that. Yeah, it's difficult though, because porn is still so activating, you know, that it, it just plays on your senses and brain so much that it still can be arousing. But there are scenes that I watch where I'm like, this is way too aggressive. This is way too much. Pardon the interruption, but we need to talk about our sponsor skims because how Alex feels about porn is how I feel about lingerie. Now, I can't lie. A lot of it looks so sexy and so amazing, but it's way too intensive for me in my day-to-day -day life. And that is why I am now seducing myself and my mans in my skims. I thought I could rip it open, but I can't. One second, guys. Okay, here it is. You know that I've been raving about their Fits Everybody collection, which once again, the bodysuit is barred on the absolute best. I'd wear it every single day if I could. But also, just like you, I've been seeing the cotton loungewear all over my feed. So I finally caved and I got the cotton rib tank, the cotton rib thong, the cotton jersey cheeky tanga, and more, all in this stunning bone color. I love the fact that the tanks and the bras fit so nicely together. And speaking of fit, this collection comes in extra, extra small to 4X. Join me in discovering why over 100,000 people have given Skims five stars by checking out the cotton collection and more at skims.com. They offer free shipping on orders over $75. And when you place your order, do not forget to select podcast in the How'd You Hear About Us survey and then go to the drop down menu and select lovers and friends. Thank you so much for supporting this show and Enjoy your skims. And that's why when I sometimes tell men like, hey, I want you to ask her what she wants. And they automatically think like, that's not what they want. They want me to know. They want me to figure it out. They want me to have that knowledge. And I'm like, you can't know. And actually, it's the opposite. You know, in all of the cases that I've experienced myself and with men that I've coached, when you ask a woman, they're so happy to hear that you care about their pleasure, that you want to give them what they want and need. It's not a turn off at all from what I know. And on the flip side for you, that's also been your truth, that you have wanted to communicate what you want and have never really had the pathway to do that until recently, right? Yes, absolutely. And that is just like this huge power of being able to use my voice and expand my pleasure as well is to ask very directly, hey, this is what I want. What do you want? Can we meet each other's needs? And if, if we can, that's great. This is going to be amazing. And if not, then it's not a match. And that's okay, too. I would think that most women assume that men are getting what they want and already asking for what they want. Me, I, it depends what we're talking about, right? Like I think some women experience like poor sexual experiences where a man is is just doing it for him. So I, I can understand that that's what they think, but maybe it's not what they want. You know, I think part of this like uh, orgasm gap that I think this conversation that isn't talked about is the fact that men are ejaculating when they don't want to. 
So women assume, oh, he ejaculated, he's happy. It's like he didn't want to. Maybe he wanted to last way longer. Maybe he wanted to pleasure you. He just couldn't. So I wouldn't assume that men are getting what they want. The men that I work with, they want to pleasure their partner. They want to give them an amazing experience. They don't want to just ejaculate and leave their partner high and dry. So, yeah. In I that case, depends. what would they need to be asking for? Slow down, maybe. Um, maybe it's a case of I need more touch. Maybe I need more sensuality before you go down on me. Maybe a woman is kind of like a little more aggressive and she's grabbing at you and you feel this pressure to then just like be ready right away to be able to say no, like, please, uh, let's do some light touch or kissing. Um, and then ask for what you know you want. Maybe, you know, something in my personal experience, like I want to be teased and maybe to most women, they think, Oh, like a men would love, men would love for me to go down on them. Like immediately, get right? To it, right? Yeah. Just grab it and go. And it's like, I don't want that. I want you to get as close as possible and not do it. That's like what's going to turn me on and then do it. And then I want to tell you how I want it, not just, you know, do it however you want to. You know, I think teasing people think it's effective. I can let me just use myself here. I would think that teasing is most effective when you're not sure if I'm going to do it or not. When you get into a long term committed relationship and you know you're going to get ahead eventually, that's when it's like, get on. it feels like it's get on with it. I know for damn sure my partner's not like that, that he wants to be teased regardless. But I can empathize that sometimes in teasing him, it doesn't feel as impactful because I'm like, you know where this is going. For me, I still want it. Yes. I don't want this like quick grabbing. I want to know that there's some anticipation and I want to be able to say, okay, go a little bit lower or like go over here and feel what I want to feel, you know, Ooh, like touch my nipple a little bit and um, to ease into that process. Like, let me build my sexual energy. Don't just like try to go down on me. I'm not even hard. Like it doesn't feel right. I'm not ready. And it's interesting because I think women understand this for themselves. They don't want you to just start like poking them and <laughs> like not even close. And that's a huge problem and, and mistake that men make because they assume they're like men and men. And, and it sounds like women sometimes assume, oh, this is what men want, you know. Mm. Um, but in my case, and I think for a lot of men, it's like, no, I, I want you to slow down. And what I like might be completely different from other men. But, you know, if a woman is going down on me, I want to be able to say, hey, can you do it like this? Whereas before, when you say, how did I find my voice? Before, I might just like sit there, let the woman do her thing. And I'm like in my head, I'm going, this isn't what I want. I'm never going to ejaculate from this. But I feel bad. And I'm just going to sit there. And like, I can remember in, in even in high school, it's like, a 30 minute blowjob and nothing happens. It's like, whoa, her poor jaw, you know? And like, that's not something that I would want my partners to have to do. But now it, it, if I'm giving them feedback on, hey, this is, can you try this and do this? This is what I love. Um, then things will happen so much faster and I'll, I won't be in my head. I'll be completely in my body and I'll just be like, 
in deep pleasure. Um, and that's a way more enjoyable experience for her as well. Yeah. Do you know what to actually even hearing about that 30 minute blowjob is that's the conversation I had with my husband recently where for the time thing is such an interesting component to sex because of the socialization element. So women are socialized to believe that the faster you orgasm, the better it is. Mm -hmm. And then men, it's the longer it takes for you to orgasm, the better it is. But I think both of us are tied, both everybody's tied to the idea that if you're good, it'll happen quick. And if you're not good, it's taking too long. And so with him, we were talking about like oral sex techniques that he likes and he had identified one that I'm like, yeah, but then when I do that, it takes you a really long time. And he's like, exactly. I don't want to be rushed to the finish line. I don't yeah. want that feeling of my body being overcome. I like it to be more slow and sensual. I like it when the oral sex takes longer. And my brain, if I'm down there for 30 minutes, it means I'm not doing what you want. And he's like, no, this is actually more in line because it gives me uh, longer to sit in a feeling that I enjoy and you know, longer to experience something that I really like. And, you know, I, I totally understand where he's coming from. If he's getting exactly what he wants, that, yeah, he would love to experience that for an extended period. The way that I was experiencing it, it I wasn't getting what I wanted. Yes. So I'm just like kind of <laughs> sitting there like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? Like I'm bored. <laughs> and that is part of, you know, the conversation we were having before where because I was always in my head during sex, I thought sex was boring because I wasn't even there. You thought sex was boring? All the time. Yeah, I thought it was just boring. It's like I wasn't feeling as much sensation because I was just in my head the whole time. So I was like, this is sex. Like, it's not that good. Um, and especially if you're not getting exactly what you want and you're like, it's okay. It's not horrible, but it's not getting me anywhere closer to orgasm or ejaculation. So it's just like, oh, kind of like... Could you be bored and ejaculate? No, I don't think so. Not for me. So sex was only boring if it wasn't tied to orgasm? Sex was boring when I knew I wasn't going to ejaculate. And I was just like doing it for performance and I was stuck in my head and I was just trying to get to some goal. And I wasn't getting there. How do you start asking for what you want? First, you have to know what you want. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is a really confronting question for men sometimes that I work with. I'm like, well, what are your likes and dislikes? Like, I don't know. You know, and if you just grew up masturbating to porn, it's like this very singular experience where it's like hand on penis, eyes on screen. You, pleasure and ejaculation become synonymous and it's like, how can we undo that and start over and learn what you like? Start touching yourself in a different way that isn't, how do I get to ejaculation as quickly as possible? How can you touch your whole body and incorporate your breath to experience full body pleasure? And then as you explore yourself, you can ask for that from a partner. What does that look like? I know what that looks like. And I have a clip that's coming to mind perfectly for multiple women, actually, of being like, I start touching my head and I let my hands trail down my shoulders and I caress my neck and then I feel my lips and then I smell my fingers. It's that. Picturing you do that doesn't really hit the same. But is it the same? 
Yes. This is what I want to invite men to experience. It doesn't have to be like this, but explore the whole body. Touch your neck. Touch your chest. Like in, be sensual with yourself. Love yourself. Give this pleasure to yourself. And for me and for most men, it, that first time, it feels like your reaction. This isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. This is for women, you know? But it's like, it's your body. You can touch your body. Like, this is yours to play with. So however that looks for you is, is totally fine. But yes, I, I want to invite men to feel this pleasure all over themselves and realize, oh, whoa, like my nipples are so sensitive now they can ask their partner, hey, while you're touching me, I want you to lick my nipples. Like that gets me crazy. Something maybe a guy would never ask for before. Before, if a woman was like kissing my chest, I would be like, when is she going to start going down on me? Mm-hmm. You know, I would be completely in my head, not enjoying this first part. Just being like, all right, get on with it. Why? Because Even if that it felt was good? the road to pleasure for me. Before it was just like, when am I going to ejaculate? Now it's like, how can I feel everything? How can I build up this experience so much that if I do decide to ejaculate, it's going to be euphoria, you know? And part of this asking for what you want is instead of, all right, this woman's like just going down on me immediately. I'm like, no, let's slow it down. Now she's like, kissing around the area, teasing me, and already I'm getting into my breath. And when I say getting into my breath, I mean like, oh, like moving sound while I'm not even aroused maybe to start to really move this energy. And this is something that I think most people don't understand is how connected your sound is to your pleasure and as you build that sound, it also can empower you to ask for what you want. Like they're both kind of together. It's clearing this blockage in the throat to, to feel your pleasure. And when you start to move your energy like immediately from the experience, it just like amplifies everything. And how, how are you referring to energy? What is energy? Energy starts with breath, like it's life force. And it can feel and kind of manifest in different ways. But what it feels like for me is like I'm bringing this breath all the way through the top of my body and then releasing it completely back down. And that can feel like vibrations in my arms. It can feel like vibrations in my stomach. And when you're feeling this sensation and being pleasured at the same time, it's like fireworks. Pardon the interruption, but while we are talking about the sounds of sex, I think it's highly appropriate to tell you about our third sponsor on this episode, Dipsy. Now picture this. You are chilling at your favorite coffee spot. You have your earbuds in, just letting the noise of the world melt away for a second. Then you take a breath and decide to turn things up. You turn on Dipsy. All of a sudden, the world feels gentler, softer, more vivid. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. Dipsy has stories for straight and queer listeners, and 56% are voice acted by people of color. New content is released every week, which can make Dipsy your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, 
or to heat things up with a partner. And that scenario that I talked about before is from my real life and it can be yours too for free. Yes, for listeners of Lovers and Friends, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash lovers. That is 30 days of all access free content from Dipsy at dipsystories.com slash lovers. Get yours. It's giving me an aha to listen to this too because for a lot of men, masculine sex is silent sex. It's crazy. I say this all the time, like I was mute during sex. I didn't know what to say. I didn't think I was supposed to say anything. Unless like, yeah, suck it, suck it like that. Something horrible, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you like that? Um, right. And I never felt comfortable saying things like that anyway, so I couldn't. But now I invite men to really express the pleasure. And so you don't have to get creative and say anything crazy, but just express that it feels good. And this is like such an amazing feedback loop for your partner. All of a sudden you're like, hey, can you do this for me? And they're doing it and you're like, oh, they know it's working. It's like, ooh. And, and at first glance, like most men are like, women aren't gonna wanna hear me. Like that's gay or that's like feminine or something. And men don't like moan. And I'm like, yes, they fucking do, you know? And men can express their pleasure. And this is one of the most liberating things and most pleasurable things is all of a sudden now you're moving this energy, you're feeling this fire, this power. In my experience, every time I'm doing this with a partner who hadn't experienced that before, it's like they get possessed and they just want to do everything harder and faster and they're so turned on and one of my female mentors she shared with me that like a woman's biggest turn on is knowing that you're in pleasure because of her so with us expressing ourselves and being in pleasure we are giving that to our partner and I always say to men I'm like because I ask them to do this practice where they're exploring themselves like this but they're also moaning and they're expressing through sound. Like, oh, like someone's going to hear me. Like, I don't know. Like, this doesn't feel comfortable. And I'm like, if you were having sex with your partner and she was screaming at the top of her lungs, would you stop her? Like, no chance. Like, I would feel amazing. And I'm like, good. Give that back to her. Mm -hmm. And this is, again, another way we can lead is like all of a sudden now I'm in pleasure. I'm you know, being vocal, I'm using my voice, I'm expressing my pleasure. Now my partner can feel safe to do that. Where now she's moaning and she's getting loud and she's asking for what she wants. So she's having a better pleasure experience as well. Is there, um, has there been a time where you've let out a sound that you're like, oh? Yes. So when I was first doing the practice, I and I invite men to do this too, where like go louder than even make sense, you know, like scream and just push that limit of uncomfortability and like kind of laugh at yourself and just really express as loud as you can. And mine was so like womanly. It was like, ah, you know, and I was just like, oh man, like so embarrassed, but still like I'm by myself. So yeah. I'm in my room. I'm just like, oh, that was, 
yeah, I, I don't know. I don't feel so comfortable about that. But I was laughing about it. And I was like, okay, that's part of me too. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'm not going to try and go that to that place with a partner. But that's what happened. And, um, and it also makes sex a more playful experience when you're like, I also, I really invite men to, I say, if you're not laughing and smiling during a self-pleasure practice at some point, like you're taking it too seriously. And for men who put so much pressure on themselves and so performance oriented, it's like, have some fun, have some play. This is pleasure. And the more relaxed and, you know, gentle and open you are, the more pleasure you're going to experience anyway. We talked about this. We keep saying we talked about this, but we talked for a long ass time before this, guys. Um, and you were saying that a lot of times when men come to you, the first thing that you say is stop masturbating, stop watching porn altogether. When do you get to start back again? That's not a conversation that I usually have. It's not about, hey, you're going to get it back after this date. It's more like, hey, let's start here. Yeah, yeah, you're not (laughs) grounded. It's more, let's just work on this, okay? And why are you doing it? What are you running away from? Let's identify that. And more often than not, it just becomes a case of, all right, I'm going to focus on these issues in my life that I need to overcome or a conversation that I need to have with a relative or my mother or whatever. And porn isn't something that's like coming up anymore if they're committed and working on themselves. And I often think about too, when you said about even just that fun element of it and letting yourself be surprised by yourself during sex, right? So if I am showing up authentically and I'm exploring and I'm letting whatever sound comes up, comes up, which I'm actually curious about that because how do you stop yourself from making that sound that you made solo with a partner without putting a conscious limit on yourself? I'm not actually worried about it. You know, it's not something, oh, I need to be careful. Like the truth is if that sound comes through, fine, I don't care. You know, that's what I sound like in the highest state of me expressing myself. And maybe that was only one time. I don't know. But I'm not in fear of expressing that. Okay. Yeah. You don't I'm have really to be not. like, okay, let's make sure. No. <laughs> there's no. letting go, Alex, and then there's letting go. And I can't <laughs> go there. <laughs> but I, more often than not, I'm not trying to like blow my vocal cords. This was more of like an example of, of how far can I take it. I'm usually not going to that exaggeration level. Um, that's more of just to to fully let go yes, and, and see what is your limit. Yeah, I can see can, the difference. Can I go past, what if my neighbors are going to hear? I don't care. Ah, you know, and that's like the breakthrough, whether you, your voice cracks or you sound weird, it doesn't matter. It's like, no, I wasn't afraid to go there. And then that for me is like the barrier is broken. Now I want to express. I want to share that. And if my partner thinks that's funny, like, okay. I always go back to this example of listening to porn from hearing people who are hearing impaired, how very different their sounds are than the ones that we hear in traditional porn, one, and two, the ones that we often make in the bedroom, which speaks to that performative element that we're not authentically sounding. We're trying to sound like how somebody who's good at sex sounds. Do you think that there's a very big difference between how you 
sound now versus how you used to sound? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you're saying is like before it was performing. Okay, what should I do? What do I think she might like? Now it's, I'm doing this for me. I don't need to think about it. This is just what's coming through my body and my experience. So there is no thought. The only thought that I have is how can I connect deeper to my breath? How can I get more into my body? And that's just like deeper inhale, deeper inhale, louder exhale. That's how I get out of my head. Okay. Oh, I'm getting distracted. Oh, move that energy out in a different way. And as soon as I connect back to that, I'm like, ooh. And once you connect to, you know, a string of like minutes of that, the pleasure, that, that energy that I was talking about, you just feel it. Does breath work in sex sound like a sound bath? A sound bath? You ever have a sound bath? What? Sound baths. You know, when like they, everyone's like, ah, like it sounds like that. Yes. I don't know what a sound bath is, but if it sounds like that, yes. To me, that's what sex sounds like. Oh, two people connecting to themselves and expressing in, in that way. The more connected to your, to your breath that you are, the more pleasure you're going to experience, the more present you're going to be. It's interesting because I just, yeah, I think even that question, what does sex sound like to you, really tells a lot. And so for you, it, it sounds like heavy inhales, heavy exhales. For me, that's what I want, you know? And I'm not like saying a prayer before. I'm not setting up crystals. Like I feel like a very regular guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely intentional about sex and I do think it's sacred. But yeah, I... I also think I'm really normal and I can have this deep connection to my breath that's maybe new for some people, but I think once they experience it, they're like, oh, this is awesome, you know? And that doesn't mean I can't still say things and, and do, I guess, more traditional like sounding sex. But in my experience, that's what feels the best. That's what I tap into and I get most connected to myself and my partner. And um, that's what I've been enjoying the most. How do you ask for that when the other person, I mean, do you only meet people who are subscribing to that same style? No, most people aren't. And uh, this is also coming back to the conversation we had earlier about just like open communication and with these partners, I'll just say flat out, like, hey, they know what my work is. So I'll, I'll share, you know, a little bit about what I like. I'll ask them what they like. And I'll tell them, like, hey, I, I want to share a technique with you if you're interested. And help them. Like, and I'll give them an example. And I'll just, like, kind of demo how my breath is. And I invite them to do that. Whether they do it or not is totally up to them. Um, but it's something that, yeah, at, on the first time, it's it put them on the spot. It doesn't feel comfortable to just start like sounding in front of someone. Can we model the conversation of asking for what you want? <coughs> I mean, I'm, I know that there's different methods of doing that, but what have you found works for you and what has worked for people that you coach? Is it in the moment? Is it something you sit down and have before? Is it something that you have afterwards and you offer new suggestions? Where do you think that this conversation works the best? For me, it's always outside the bedroom that this is a conversation I have at dinner or a coffee shop. 
where it's just like really fun and playful. Um, definitely not something that I would have in the bedroom because um, I wouldn't want to put any pressure on like performance right away. And yeah, that that feels the most natural for me where it's just like this fun conversation um, when we're already in a good mood where it's really light. And that's when it kind of happens the most naturally. What does it sound like? Does it start with what it's, do you like? Or? Yeah, it's so simple. Like, I, I think because I'm a sex coach, that's obviously a topic that they want to hear more about. And as soon as we get on the topic of sex, I'm like, yeah, what's your experience of your pleasure like? Like, are, do you feel like you have a good connection to your pleasure? How do you like to be pleasured? Like, how do you, what are your biggest fantasies? These, these are the type of questions that it can progress to. Bringing up hard to have conversations over a good meal is an incredible hack because good food is a natural lubricant. Now it distracts us from negative emotions, it makes someone feel comfortable, it stimulates positive hormones, and it slows down reaction time since chewing stunt doubles is processing time. But notice, I said good food. But why reserve necessary conversations for restaurants and the rare occasions where you can plan to cook a special meal when every night you can make chef-crafted meals with pre-proportioned ingredients delivered right to your house with our sponsor, HelloFresh. In just 40 minutes, you could be enjoying my current fave by them, the sweet corn and green pepper chowder. And with quick and easy dinner options, plus they got breakfast and lunch and snacks, you will never be stuck for what to eat ideas. Some things only take 15 minutes to make. Now, with HelloFresh, you'll have less cleanup because they tell you what pots and pans to use, no more waste, and HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping since you only get what you're going to need. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50lovers to get 50% off your first purchase and 15% off for the next two months. Again, that is HelloFresh.com slash 50lovers and the promo code 50lovers. The number one question that you get probably... um, I don't know if you would get this. Number one question I get is, how do you spice things up in the bedroom? I think if you really want to spice up sex, I I would go with something like role play. Role play for me opens up this whole new world of sex that isn't about ejaculation or orgasm. It's more about fun. And when sex feels like pressure and expectation, it's not fun anymore. And it can become autopilot and we're doing the same thing over and over again and when you bring in fantasy and role play it becomes fun and I think that's something that most people never do they do it like we were speaking about earlier in the sense of put on a cheerleader outfit and like that's the extent of it and then you do the same routine that you do anyway yeah it's like no we can have a role play where we never even have penetrative sex but we're having sex for an hour where we're in character, we're fooling around, we're laughing, we're doing weird stuff that we never thought we would be doing. We're in a complete edge and it doesn't have to look the same. It can be completely different every single time. And I think that's something that most people never explore. And I think it opens up a whole new world because There isn't just, I don't just have one fantasy. I have a million. And if we don't have to be those things physically, we don't have to dress in them, we can just pretend. It's infinite. How do you do that? (laughs) You know, it wasn't until 
I had someone who was experienced in it to kind of like guide me and be like, this is okay. That I was like, oh, this is what it is. And now I've put myself in that position where like you make someone feel so comfortable that they're like, okay, let's try. And then they get into it and they realize they love it. Um, but yeah, it was this first experience where the, the kind of the role play was so out there too. And I was like, can I do this? And can you share what it is? I don't know. <laughs> can you give me, you don't have to say the exact one. I just don't want to like expose anyone. Well, was it like Avatar or Dungeons and Dragons out there or? Uh, yeah, I was even like, can I even do this? Like, and, um, but once I saw this person like in character, I was like, oh, this is so funny. And it just was this like perspective change that sex isn't so serious all the time. And it doesn't have to be penis and vagina immediately. And it can just be this huge playful arena where it, it was acting. And, uh, and, and it's, it's so fun. So, so fun. Dr. Emily Moore said that her and her partner, before they have sex now, they'll just sit down and talk and say, what kind of sex do you want to have? Not dissimilar from like looking for a meal and being like, what do you feel like eating tonight? And then looking through menus and then be like, okay, cool, we want this. And then they go and they do that kind of sex. I think a lot of people think that that's cringy or it would ruin the experience. I think that's amazing. I think I would consider that as like intention setting and asking for what you want. So I might be like, hey, I really want to have quick sex tonight. Are, do you, would you want that? And you're like, yeah, sure. Okay, then we can have that. And that just opens up the space where everyone can get what they want. So I don't think that's cringy at all. I think that's the way to a healthy sex life. Because, yeah, someone might want something and the other's like, no, I, you know, that doesn't feel right for me tonight. Where maybe they would have done it if they didn't talk about it. And one person doesn't want to be there and isn't enjoying it. And that really like sacrifices the sanctity of the sex and can create this disconnect and like, ugh, you know, I'm, I'm doing things I don't want to do. I don't want to do that again. So I'm not doing it next week. And it starts to create this problem. So I think talking about it and having that agreement beforehand just makes it so clear. Yes. Oh, yes. We're getting what we want. Like, not like, uh, you know, it's like, yes, I want to. Okay, great. We're both, we're getting what we want. You know what's interesting too, because I definitely had partners in the past where they hated to be asked. And I think it's, if I liken it again to food, you hate to be asked because you haven't put the time to see what's out there. You don't know what you want. You don't know what you want and you don't know what's available. Yes. So if you have taken a little bit of time and gone through restaurants and been like, I really want to try that one. or I think that one's interesting. Or how would I feel about this? Or I had a little bit of my friend's pasta last night and I kind of want to recreate that experience and I want more of it, whatever it is. But when you don't, when you get irritated by the question, maybe it isn't that the question is stupid. It's that you're afraid that your answer isn't enough. Or it could be the inability to receive. So that person's like, I don't want to ask for what I want because I can't accept it anyway. I just want to give to you. Whatever you want, we'll do that. And yeah, that is the kind of basis of a lot of sexual problems. And then I think that 
not wanting, I think even from the, we had an episode that was called Why Straight Men Are Boring in Bed. And the real premise of it was, is that a lot of straight men are between a rock and a hard place when it comes to their sexual expression. If they want too much of something, then they could be deemed as being homosexual, right? If they don't want enough of something, then they're not manly enough, that they're not masculine enough. So they have this range of activities that basically affirm the truth that they are straight, dominant, and competent men. And if the activities don't fall in line with that, then that diminishes their whole sexual reputation anyways. So it, uh, getting that question asked of them of like, what do you want can be confronting because they're like, well, does what I want fall in line with how I want to be perceived? Yeah. How do you want me to be? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a very confident man, right? Like I want to be able to show up in this is what I want. This is how I want it. Do you want it that way? Not like, mm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, how do you like it? I can do whatever you need. I don't think a woman wants that. Well, that you're giving it that voice, but I think that it also comes in this voice of like, why are you asking that question? I don't really know. What, to what me, do you that mean? sounds the same. What do you say? It's the same, <laughs> it's right? It's so insecure. Yeah. That defensiveness of like, what are you talking about? You know, and I get that a lot when I share what I do. Some guys are like, oh, I don't have a problem with that. Like, or they laugh. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually a sign of something. That's you know? great. When their moment, when they're trying to make you feel awkward, becomes the moment where you feel bad for them. Well, I don't know. But I'm like, mm, typically, that means there might be something there. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that is a front. So when majority of my audience is women and they're listening to this and they're like, I would like to explore more of myself. I would like to learn more about what my partner likes. Where, what's the entry points here? Considering the fact that men do have these two masters that they have to serve or they're conditioned to believe it and that men are socialized to think about sex where pleasure and orgasm are really all that there is. I think women can lead through their own exploration. I don't like the idea of saying like, hey, you should do this or you should do that. It could be women listening to this and realizing, wow, I'm not really expressing my pleasure during sex or my own self-pleasure. I'm not really asking for what I want. Maybe I can start doing that. And maybe that leads to we can explore together. Um, and I think that would be really beautiful. If my partner was like, hey, want to, you know, do some mutual masturbation and try this new technique where we do this, this and this, I would be like, oh, hell yeah. Like, that sounds amazing. Um, but I think I would caution women to be careful in, in kind of like pointing the finger of like, you should or we should and make it more fun and playful. Ladies and gentlemen, Alex Grundy, you can just tell that this man loves what he does. And if you also love the work that he's doing and want to learn more about it, follow him at alex.grendy on Instagram. Go find him on YouTube for free resources or find out how to tap in with him in a more intimate way over at superiorlovers.com. Thank you as always for being a guest. Hopefully this isn't the last time that we'll have you around because I always gain a new perspective. And speaking of gaining new perspectives, you know how I learn 
about the show and what's working and what's not working and what to do more of through the rate and review section. Yes, I read them weekly. And I want to read some out from some people who took the time to say a couple things about the show. All right. Tammy Cat says, Shan, the Kama Sutra episode. See how I said Kama, not Karma? I've learned. Has to be one of my favorite episodes ever. I love the information she shared regarding the beauty of sex. I'm definitely going to invest in some body jewelry. Me too. Okay. Any of y'all figured out where to find a good girdle, a jingling girdle? I looked on Amazon, which I know I should look deeper. I couldn't find one. But if you guys find some of the jewelry she talked about, um, please link me on Instagram or anywhere else because I too want to invest in that. Um, Jeremy says, love this community. Oh, I love that. I also love, love, love the community here. It's not just the show we put together. It is the minds and perspectives who come to give so generously afterwards. Um, So I agree. The community, Jeremy, is the bomb. My North Star says... As a founder of a wedding booking tech platform after COVID, our business picked up post-COVID, and I want to start listening to relationship podcasts instead of the news. And Lovers and Friends, one of the first that I came across. Okay, first and foremost, um, Amy Dash Kissintel, put your link in there. Pop your shit. If I'm going to be asking you for a favor in rating and reviewing the podcast, you should be being like, hey, I need a favor back. Where's the free promo? As a matter of fact, that is all of your inspiration who have yet to rate and review. If there is something, you got to weave it in the way that Amy did though. Amy just like kind of sneaky link. She didn't like go all the way, but she's like, yeah, as a founder of a wedding booking tech platform, I wanted to listen to podcasts about relationships. So I came across yours. So she found a way that it made sense. She should have said as the founder of, I don't want to say a name in case it's the wrong thing I'm advertising, but you get the point. Anyways, I'm here for you, how you're here for me. Um, And again, I just want to say thank you so much for being here for me. And I hope you come back next week. Bye. Thank you for listening. Lovers and Friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Sham Boudram, that's me, with production support from Two West Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and Shared Entertainment's Jared Brady, who also does the scoring, sound design, and mastering. Lastly, this podcast is powered by Audioboom, who gets us in contact with our incredible sponsors who the show would not be possible without you can find the exclusive discounts and links mentioned in this episode right in the show notes or in the info box take care bye lovers bye friends 